We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, while good, hard-working, common-sense Americans and Canadians join the Freedom Convoy to simply ask for, demand that their freedom be respected, Justin Trudeau invokes an emergency act and essentially declares Canada a police state and Joe Biden does nothing but assist him. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. Thanks for listening into the show. I was going to do a different topic this morning, but I just felt like we've got to pay homage and respect. We have to stand with these truckers in the Freedom Convoy. If we abandon them now, if we just move on to the next story, if we get bored with the Freedom Convoy, shame on us. These are good, hardworking people, a very diverse group of men and women and blacks and whites, of Sikhs and Muslims and Mormons and Christians and secularists, of people who have been vaxxed and those who haven't been vaxxed. I mean, it's a very, very diverse group, a cross-section of Canada and America, the West, if you will. These are people who simply want to be free. Many of them, many of these truckers actually have fled communist countries to come to Canada, come to Canada for freedom, and now they find themselves being the subject of a police state, a literal police state. And my show today is to honor those men and those women. And I'm going to use a story, an article that is written for Common Sense magazine. Barry Weiss actually posted it a couple days ago. It's titled, What the Truckers Want. And the subtitle of this article says this, I've spoken to a hundred of the protesters gathered in the Canadian capital, and what's happening is far bigger than the vaccine mandates. It was actually published on February 10th, a couple days ago, and it was written by Rupa Subramanya, Rupa Subramanya for Common Sense Magazine. Sometimes other people say things so well that you shouldn't paraphrase them. You should just quote them. And that's what I'm going to be doing in today's show. I want you to hear this article. And then I want you to go read it. And I want you to copy and paste the link into your social media and get this out there everywhere. These are the people that need your support. They need you to stand with them. We need to stand in solidarity right now. If we allow ourselves to be fractured, then freedom will fall. This is our time. This is our opportunity to stand together in co-belligerence with people that may may differ with us politically and religiously, but they share a common first thing, a common priority, and that is a desire for freedom. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. 
Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Okay, this article, this article that was published on February 10th by Rupa Subramanya for Common Sense Magazine, titled What the Truckers Want. Write that down. Write that down and then go Google this story. Go to your search engine and find this story for Common Sense Magazine, February 10th, Rupa, R-U-P-A, Subramanya, that's S-U-B-R-A-M-A-N-Y-A, the author, titled What the Truckers Want. Now, this, this author, Rupa Subramanya, goes and speaks to a hundred of the protesters gathered in the Canadian capital. And here's what she found. I probably don't have time to read the entire article here, and I will add a little bit of my commentary periodically, but I want you to hear the facts of what she found. I assume it's a she, but I don't know for sure, and name Rupa. doesn't matter, at least for the sake of this particular show. Don't mean to dishonor the author. Here, she, she starts out the article. For two weeks, the 18-wheelers, the semis, the tractors, and the pickup trucks streamed through the snow and ice into the center of Ottawa, the Canadian capital. They came from across the country, vaxxed and unvaxxed, white, black, Chinese, Sikh, Indian, alone or with their wives and kids. Did you hear that right there? I just want you to cap. I just want you to... <laughs> to meditate on that particular sentence. They were vaxxed and they were unvaxxed. White, black, Chinese, Sikh, Indian. The blacks and whites, men and women, Muslims, Sikhs, Chinese, Hindus, Buddhists, black, white. The list goes on and on. This is a cross-section of Canada. This is a cross-section of the United States. This is what a country looks like when people flee their indigenous countries and they come someplace else. They go someplace else. They come here across the Atlantic, across the Pacific. They come here for freedom because they didn't have it in their dictatorial regimes, in their communist countries, in their Marxists, Marxist utopias. They didn't have freedom there, so they came here they're huddled around campfires, and they set up pop-up kitchens and tents with black captains doling out coffee and blankets. They honked, and they honked, and they honked. They blasted. We are the world. And everywhere you look, someone was waving a maple leaf flag. The author goes on and says, It dipped to four degrees, and the mayor of Ottawa declared a state of emergency, and they didn't budge. The truckers were scared of running out of gas, freezing to death in their little truck beds in the middle of the night. The city threatened to arrest anyone who brought the gas into them. See how bad it's getting. They don't care if these guys die, freeze to death. Four degrees. And if their trucks run out of fuel, then they could suffer hypothermia. They could freeze to death. But the City threatens to arrest anyone who brings fuel to these people, these men and women. And in response, hundreds of Ottawans defied the mayor, and they did just that, and the truckers stayed put. More from the article. They are a city inside a city whose inhabitants, this, speaking of the convoy right now, a city inside a city whose inhabitants there are an estimated 8,000 to 10,000 of them were outraged with a country that seemed to have forgotten they existed. This past Sunday, as if to confirm the suspicion, 
Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who has yet to meet with the Freedom Convoy leaders, took a personal holiday. Basically, this is, I am better than them. I am the elite. I'm the smart one. I will go on holiday. I will ignore them. I will call them names. I will malign them. I will disparage them. I will accuse them of things that they have not done. I will ignore the fact that they are the people that I work for. They elected me. They they just gave me. They gave me by virtue of their vote and by virtue of their taxes, their money. They gave me a temporary period of time to serve them, but I'm going to ignore all of that because I'm their king, I'm their prime minister, I'm their emperor, and how dare they question my leadership. Obviously, this is me right now. This is not the article, but this is an outrage that these oligarchs, these elites, these spoiled brats like Justin Trudeau will take a personal day, a holiday, and ignore These Sikhs, these Muslims, these blacks, these whites, these men, these women, these atheists and these Anabaptists, all of these people who simply want freedom to be left alone. They came to your country, Mr. Trudeau, for that freedom, and you're ignoring them. You're ignoring them. You're going on a holiday. You're going to eat your expensive meals. You're going to enjoy living in your posh palace. And you're going to ignore these people who can't even afford to buy the gas to keep their trucks running, to keep them warm, while they simply ask you to leave them alone. More from the author. The author says this, I live in downtown Ottawa within view of Parliament Hill and have spent the past 10 days or so bundled up and walking around the protests. I have spoken to close to 100 protesters, truckers, and other folks, and not one of them sounded like an insurrectionist, a white supremacist, a racist, or a misogynist. They sound like Ivan. Now, she's going to be describing the truckers right now, and I want you to listen to the descriptions. Ivan, 46, who immigrated with his wife, Tatiana, from Ukraine, to build a new life in New Brunswick in eastern Canada. Here's a quote from Ivan from the Ukraine, who came to Canada to build a new life. We came here to be free, not slaves, he said. We lived under communism, and in Canada, we're now fighting for our freedom. Like so many truckers, Ivan refused to share his last name. They're afraid of having the police come after them and their families. B.J. Dichter, a spokesman, for the Freedom Convoy, is vaccinated, and he estimates that many, maybe most of the truckers, are vaccinated too. I'm Jewish, said BJ. I have a family in mass graves in Europe, and apparently I'm a white supremacist? That's what he said to the reporter that wrote this article. The author goes on and says this. Ostensibly, the truckers are against a new rule mandating that when they re-enter Canada from the United States, that they have to be vaccinated. But that's not really it. That's really not what it's all about. That is a moot point. The Americans have a similar requirement, says the author. And anyway, the vast majority of Canadian truckers, according to the Canadian Trucking Alliance, a union that represents them, the vast majority of truckers, according to the CTA, their union, 
are vaccinated. So what is it all about? Well, it has to be about something else, or perhaps many things. A sense that things will never get back to normal, a sense that they are being ganged up on by the government, the media, big tech, big pharma, all of the above. But one thing is indisputable. There was this electricity coursing through the streets, and it felt like it could get out of control. And it didn't help when GoFundMe shut down the convoy's fundraiser, announcing that donors had two weeks to reclaim their money before it would be sent to established charities. Or when the cops started arresting locals, including the elderly. You've seen pictures of this, haven't you? And it's hard to capture how thoroughly Trudeau has misjudged this moment. This pandemic has sucked for all Canadians, he said on Monday. As for the protest, it has to stop, declared the Prime Minister. (laughs) No sympathy, no empathy, no appreciation from the Prime Minister as to what these truckers are asking for, what the working class is asking for, demanding. Why are they protesting in the first place? Well, this, this pandemic has sucked for all of us, says Trudeau, as if he's suffering as much as they are. Again, totally aloof. The guy is clueless, as are so many of our elites here in the United States. The article goes on and says this. If Trudeau had sauntered down to the mess of rigs on Wellington Street, across from the Parliament building, opposite the wall and the war memorial, if he just talked to these people for a few minutes, he would have understood that it's not going to stop. What's happening in Canada right now is bigger than the mandates. The convoy is spearheaded by truckers. But its message of opposition to life under government control has brought unto the city countless, once voiceless people declaring that they are done being ignored. That the elites, the people who have zoomed their way through the pandemic, had better start paying attention to the fentanyl overdoses, the suicides, the crime, the despair, the unemployment, and this Orwellian crush of freedom. Kemal Panu, 33, is a Sikh immigrant and a trucker from Montreal. He doesn't believe in vaccinations. He believes in natural immunity. He had joined the convoy because the COVID restrictions in the surrounding province of Quebec had become too much for him and his family to bear. He said that he and his wife used to do their grocery shopping at Costco until the government decreed that the unvaxxed would be barred from big box stores. And since then, their monthly grocery bill, says this article, has jumped by 200 bucks a month before, this is Kamal talking now, before we didn't look at the price of what we were buying. We had enough money. We didn't price shop at Costco. But now we sometimes have to put the items back because we don't have that much money. Close quote. Close quote. And then there's Peter, 28, a long-haul trucker from Ontario. And he told me, this is the author speaking now, that a divide had opened up all across the country. 
pointing to the gleaming ritzy condominiums near Parliament, he said he used to deliver the concrete stairs in those buildings. And since the cross-border vaccine mandate kicked in in mid-January, he's been out of work since mid-January because of this cross-border vaccine mandate. He's out of work. Trudeau doesn't care. Biden doesn't care. The Democrats don't care. The progressives don't care. You know why? Because they fancy themselves your superior. They're smarter than you. They don't need to listen to truck drivers. Back to the article. Peter refused to get vaccinated. He said because the whole thing has been so politicized that you don't know who to trust anymore. He refused to give his last name. Why? Because he didn't want the government coming after him. And he wants to work again. This is fear. They're governing by fear. Not by facts, not by science. By socialism and by fear. And now by emergency acts where they declare themselves to be dictators because there are too many citizens rising up and saying, no, stop. Back to the article. I heard this over and over from truckers, and it was not entirely crazy. The CTA, their union, which has publicly criticized the Freedom Convoy, said in a January 29 statement addressed to the truckers in Ottawa, Your behavior today will not only reflect upon you and your family, but the 300,000-plus fellow Canadians that, like you, take great pride in our industry. So not even their union will support them. Do you remember when the unions were supposedly for the working man? Do you remember when the Democrats were supposedly the party of the working man? Everything has flipped. The Republican Party, the conservatives, are now the party of the working class. We're the ones standing up and supporting this convoy, these truckers, this diverse group of people who just want to go to work, make a living, and take care of their families and be left alone. We're the ones supporting the workers of the world unite. The progressives are telling the workers to go pound sand. Again, back to the article. If you pointed out to people like Peter and I did, that almost every doctor in the country had been vaccinated, it didn't matter. Remember, he just got done saying you don't know who to trust anymore. I've said this to my wife over and over again. Marcy and I have talked about it over and over again. You just don't know who to trust anymore. Our country, the United States, and likewise in Canada, the Western world has politicized medicine to such an extreme right now that just five minutes ago, you would have trusted your doctor to know what he was talking about, and now you don't know anymore. Maybe your doctor isn't even getting the right information. Maybe he's being silenced because of, because of uh, censorship and because of uh, government control of the way the information is being disseminated or not into the medical industry. We don't know any longer because we've seen people like Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks. We've seen people like our government leaders, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, We've seen people lie over and over again. We know they're lying. They've admitted they they lied to us. I mean, Fauci's on record admitting that he lied about masks because he didn't trust the truckers. He didn't trust the working class, the blue collar. He didn't trust the dumb folks in the heartland to not make a run on the market for masks if he would have told us all that masks were important. So he lied to us, and he put lots of lives at risk. 
right? I mean, by his logic, he put a lot of people's lives at risk by lying to them about masks, telling them not to wear them. If masks are so important and so effective, isn't he responsible for all of the deaths that took place while he was lying to us about masks in the first place? And now he says they're so important, but yet he doesn't wear one. We see pictures of him without them. I mean, the list goes on and on on how we've been deceived, how we've been lied to. Gain of function, vaccine efficacy or lack thereof. We, we continue to hear that the vaccine is effective and safe, but yet we know by definition it hasn't been around long enough to test it thoroughly enough to know what the long-term side effects are. You don't know what the long-term side effects are or are not if the thing hasn't been around long-term. Again, I'm on a rant here with regard to the deception. But this, this guy named Peter, this trucker named Peter, he nails it when he says, we just don't know. We don't know anymore who to trust. It, his own union is disparaging him. Again, the unions that are supposed to be worker for the workers of the world are now telling the workers of the world to shut up and do their job. Your freedom be damned. We don't care. Just do what the government tells you to do. Does that sound like union representation? Does that sound like putting the priority on the worker? Back to this point that I started to read from the article. If you pointed out to Peter like Peter, excuse me, if you pointed out to people like Peter, and I did, says the author, that almost every doctor in the country had been vaccinated, it didn't matter. There was bodily autonomy and privacy and religious exemptions. And anyway, how could you know what the doctors were thinking? You couldn't trust the press or the politicians, he said. And then Peter cites that in 2020, Vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris expressed skepticism of any vaccine approved by Donald Trump. She did. Remember that? She wasn't maligned as a crazy for expressing skepticism about the vaccine because of its political flavor, because of one politician being in favor of it, Donald Trump. She wasn't maligned for that, right? But now anybody that dares to question the vaccine is a crazy. Because what? We don't trust the politicians? Again, two-faced double standards. And then this article cites Theo, who feels the same way as Peter. But Theo isn't a trucker. He used to work at a major accounting firm, and he now works for another big company. But he's angry, like the truckers are. Here's his quote. They treated me like a second-class citizen, he said, referring to his old firm. And then he went on to explain that he'd refused to get vaccinated. He'd been vaccinated for other things, but he had a hereditary heart condition that he said made the COVID vaccine inadvisable. Now, I appreciate this. I'm going to go on a little bit of a riff right now off of that particular concern off of Theo's concern, a 25-year-old man who has a history of heart disease in his family, and therefore genetically he's predisposed to heart disease, and in fact apparently is already showing symptoms of that. It says he has a hereditary heart condition. My family 
has heart disease. My dad was a truck driver. He died at 65 years of age. He wasn't overweight. He was in good shape. He died of heart disease at 65. And so did his brothers and his sisters, all of my aunts and uncles, not all of them, but so many of my aunts and uncles on my dad's side of the family died of heart disease at very young ages. So when I read anything or when my doctor reads anything out there that says that this vaccine could cause complications for heart health, then the last thing I want is this vaccine. And that's what this Theo dude is saying in this article. This 24-year-old kid that worked for a big accounting firm says they treated me like a second-class citizen because I didn't want a vaccine that my own doctor says is inadvisable. But he couldn't even get a medical exemption at his firm. They didn't care. If he dies from a heart attack or cardiovascular disease as the result of injecting this COVID vaccine into his veins and into his heart, they don't care. They don't care. He concludes by saying, I felt like I was being publicly shamed, so I quit. And then there's Theo's brother, Lucas, who's, he's 21 years old, just another kid. And he's also unvaccinated for what? Similar reasons, the same family history. Anybody in my family, anybody on the Piper side of my family that chooses not to get vaccinated in my view, is doing it for good reasons. They would rather take the risk of getting a virus that has a 99.5% survival rate than injecting something into their veins, into their heart, that some of the evidence indicates could be problematic for your heart. So Theo's brother, Lucas, said he planned to go to law school. But being unvaccinated, he had to take only online courses. So even the law school, which should be teaching people how to defend and honor the law, is refusing to do so for Lucas, a 21-year-old wannabe student who now has an uncertain future because of the elites telling him to just shut up and get in line. Folks, I said I don't have enough time to go through this entire article, but I've shared with you the stories of Lucas and Peter and Theo. I've shared with you the stories of men and women, good people, truck drivers, and other people coming out into the streets to support them, accountants, law students, who are saying enough is enough. All we want is to be left alone. We don't want you controlling our lives, telling us where we can shop, where we can work, where we can go to church, and whether or not we can even walk around in public without a mask or without a card that proves that we injected this thing into our veins that may kill us. All they want is freedom to make their own choices. Solidarity people, stand with these folks because in times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.